0: All right. No, God has a word for us this morning. So open your Bibles to First John chapter four. We're going to pick up where we left off last week, and um, I believe God has a word for us this morning. It's a it's a quick word, so listen quick, and also write down. We're going to give you some important things to write down because I want you to get these uh, things inside of you. Um, want to say thank you for praying for my dad i know he's watching with leslie from the uh the house and so uh we're just continuing to pray for my dad and just believing that god is healing him we receive that word of healing for him too and uh one more thing announcement that i just i just we i just well first of all i love him because he's family and a friend but i want to honor uh mark bechtold this morning uh the police department in mount prospect uh put together a role for him to fill because of the gifts that he has. The Bible says your gifts make room for you, and so he is the first ever community relations officer of our city, and he's an elder at this church, so he's a leader in our church, he's a leader in the city, and we want to honor you today, Mark. Uh, That is quite an honor. I believe that God is using us in the community, God's using you wherever you go to be that light, to be that lighthouse. A.W. Tozer wrote, what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about us. Last week we talked about God's love for us. That yes, we're to love Him. Great commandment. We love Him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. But that's not actually where it starts. It actually starts even earlier in 1 John four nineteen, where it says that we love Him because He first loved us. That we've got to take hold of that love that God has for us, that truth that God has, that God loved us first and God loves us best. The problem is, is that most people in the world, and I believe even believers today, don't believe that. I think that a lot of times people equate our Heavenly Father with our Earthly Father. And maybe your Earthly Father was angry. Maybe he was absent. He wasn't even around. Maybe he was there, but but he really wasn't there. In fact, you kind of wished he'd get angry because he didn't even pay attention to you, and, and so you... You have this idea of, of God that, that may be like an earthly father and what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So we really need to begin to think of God not as a human dad, but as our heavenly father who isn't mad at us. Because I believe most people believe God's mad at me. It's funny, I, I put on Facebook this week, God's not mad at you, got a lot of likes but I had pastor friends message me and say, you can't say that. You don't know that. But I do know that. I know that from his word, that he loved us first. That for God loved us first. See, when you think God's mad at you, you're, it's, it's going to be trouble. Think of the children of Israel. They thought, you know, they, they, they would say this. It happened over and over again. Why did you bring us out here to die Do you hate us, God? Like, is that your plan? And so they would complain, and they they didn't think God was good. They didn't think God loved them. And you know what it led to? It led to rebellion. It led to them being distanced from God. And they ended up turning their backs on God because they, they didn't think God was good. They were believing the lies of the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, by the way. But they were believing the lies of the enemy. Write this down. Believing God hates you. Leads you to all kinds of trouble in your life. That's what the Israelites, God, did you hate us to bring us out here? When you think about that, 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 that you know, hating God or believing God hates you leads to all kinds of trouble in your life, I, I wonder, like, how could they even think that, right? God delivered them from slavery, God had blessed them, God had provided for them, there was miracle after miracle. And yet they go back to complaining again and again. And when you don't think God is good, when you don't think he loves you, you're just going to get in trouble. Not because God's mad at you. God still loves you. He's still pursuing you. It's just that you're living as though God doesn't exist or that he doesn't like you. And so write this down. Don't turn your back on God. Don't turn your back on God. No matter how you feel what you're going through, don't turn your back on God. He loves you. God has to get super definite with the children of Israel. And he does it in Deuteronomy 28 when they talk about the blessings and the cursings. And it says in Deuteronomy 28, verse 2, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. God says, I want to bless you. I really want to bless you abundantly. That's my heart for you. God's word over and over and over again says, Follow me, obey me, and I will bless you. Write these four things down. God doesn't curse, He blesses. Blessings follow obedience. Disobedience brings consequences. God always has your best interest in mind. What did it say in that verse we read? That His blessings, when we follow Him, when we obey Him, will chase us down. We experience the curse when we sin because there's consequences to sin, it's your choice. Believe and follow God and there will be blessing. Disobey God, thinks he, ha- think, thinks he hates you, just whatever you do, it's like you're gonna get the consequences of your sin in this fallen world because there are curses that follow. It's your choice. God wants to bless you. In this passage he says, I wanna bless you to a thousand generations. That's abundant blessing. God says, I want to do that. So it's your choice. God is inviting you into a relationship with him. A relationship where he wants to bless you, where he wants to be with you. So don't blame God and fight him. Run with him. Attack the wrong thinking that God doesn't love you, that God is mad at you. We've got to get a, a, a control in that. It's vital that we change the way we think about God because what we think about God is the most important thing about us. And so it says in Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, being, uh, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That what I think has to line up with what God says. And God says in his word that I loved you first that I am good, that my love never fails, that I'm faithful, and I've got to get my mind in line with God's word. This is in Proverbs 23, 7, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Replace those thoughts that God's mad at me, or God doesn't love me with the thoughts that, yes, God does love me, and he's pursuing me. It's so important that we do this. And so, what does God's word say about you? I really want you to write this down. This is what God's word says about you. God's word says you are chosen, you are loved, you are chosen, you are holy. That when we are in Christ, we are loved, chosen, and holy. He says that in his word, right? 1 John four nineteen. We love him because he first loved us. He loved us first. He chose us, 1 Peter says, Chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim his praises, the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God chooses, you are a chosen generation. You are holy because you belong to him. Never forget um, Luke. Uh, you see Pastor Luke up here as he just gave a testimony, He's so bold, so strong, and let me tell you a story when he was a little boy. He was probably in between grade school and junior high, those kind of years, and he was struggling. He, 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 he didn't have that self-confidence. He was wondering where he fit in, and I could, I could tell one day as we were sitting at the kitchen table that he was really down, that it was a heavy day for him. And so we were talking, and we were talking about friends and what friends were letting him into the groups and which ones weren't. I just could tell he was really down. And so what we do in our kitchen, uh, we would keep the class pictures on a bulletin board. You know, those class pictures got everybody in the class and the teacher and the principal. We'd keep it there so if we talked about somebody, we could pull it down to see who we're talking about. And so we had that in all of all the kids. And so I brought it down, and I started looking at all the pictures there. And, and uh, so I started pointing at some of, some of his little buddies. And I said, oh, you know, he's really smart, isn't he? He said, yeah, Dad, he's the smartest kid in class. This, this, this guy's really good at basketball, right? Yeah, he's the best on the team. This one plays the guitar, right? Yeah, he, he's really good, Dad. So let me, look, let me look at all these guys here. If I could choose any one of them to be my son, I wonder which one, let me just think about Which one would I choose? And a little grin comes on his face, and I just took my finger, and i right there. Luke, I would choose you every single day of my life to be my son. I love you. God created you for a purpose and gave you life for a reason, and, and I'd choose you every single time. That's what God does with you. He puts his finger on your picture. says, I choose you. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. To declare my praises here in this earth. God loves you. You are loved. You are chosen. You are holy. You say, I'm holy. How am I holy? You know what's, what holiness is? Holiness is when you take something and it belongs to something. So you take somebody and they belong to God. They're made holy. Holy. We think of the tabernacle, like you have the, you have the tent, and, and, and you have the ark, which is made of wood, and there's candlesticks made of metal. There's just all these different things in the, in, in, the, in the tabernacle. Now, fabric isn't holy, or wood isn't holy, or metal isn't holy, but when it's in the tabernacle, it's holy. Why? Because it belongs to God. You belong to God. He loves you. He chose you. You don't belong to this world. You don't belong to sin. You don't even belong to yourself. You don't belong to your parents you don't belong to your family background you belong to the most high god you are holy you are set apart for a reason and for a purpose and for a destiny in christ we are loved and chosen and we are holy i know that a lot of people don't believe me so let me just go to the life of jesus In all the Gospels, when Jesus begins his ministry, before he begins his ministry, he is baptized by John the Baptist. He goes and he presents himself for baptism, and and after arguing with John for a moment, because John's like, no, and, and Jesus is baptized to identify with you and me, that he might become sin and die on the cross for our sins. And so he goes under the water, comes up, and when he comes up, it says, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. And there's there's power that came upon him. And and that there's this voice from heaven. It's the father saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. It's interesting that the father says that before Jesus does anything. He didn't do one miracle. He didn't preach one sermon. He hadn't done anything. And the father says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. A lot of times we think I got to do this for God or that for God. And then he'll love me. No, God loves you first. First. Now, you may say, well, that's Jesus, right? I mean, of course the father loves Jesus, his one and only begotten son. Of course he loves Jesus. So let's see what Jesus says. Jesus tells story after story of the father's heart towards you and me. And so think of the prodigal son. Think of that story. The son that goes away selfishly, destroys his entire life, wastes and squanders everything, realizes he has no hope or no future except to go home to the dad and then say, Dad, I don't even want to be your son. I'll just be your slave. Just give me something to eat. I don't need anything back. Just, just, I just, just, I'm just coming home. And, and if you beat me or, or just put me away whatever, but I just, I'm coming home. And what's interesting is when that son comes home, the father runs after him. The father comes after him. The father embraces the son. He restores the son. He celebrates the son who had completely messed up all of their lives. He says, no, come home. All I want is to be with you. That's all I ever want. I just wanted you to come home. I just wanted you to have a meal with me. I just want a relationship. It's so hard to understand that crazy, we sing reckless kind of love because it's not found in this world. I, I, just, I want you to realize just how much God loves you. I can't get away from this. It's been a couple weeks, but I can't get away from it. And when I, like I told you last week, you go back and listen, but don't try to earn this love because you won't and you can't and don't make anybody else do it either. You can't earn this love and don't let the devil tell you that God doesn't love you. The devil steals, kills, and destroys. Jesus says, I've come to give you life to the full, abundant, rich, satisfying. I've come to bless you. I had the privilege of of meeting Oliver Alvarado. Is he here today? (laughs) Edgar and Samantha are here with Oliver. Edgar's with him now, I guess, out there. And um, that is a good-looking kid. And so we went over to the house, and and, uh, it was just neat to see the baby. I can't tell you how much Edgar and Samantha love baby Oliver. Like, they're just beaming. I don't think they even wanted to let us hold him. They're just like, oh, they just love him so much, smiling. And um, and, uh, that kid has done nothing but mess up their lives, right? I mean, they had a nice, comfortable life, and then here comes this kid. Leslie's holding uh, baby Oliver, and she must have squeezed him too tight because he pooped his pants bad. It was a, you know, just like we all heard it and looked at each other, and like um, (laughs) Leslie has that effect on men. But um, no, she she's holding the baby. I'm just she's not. I'm in I'm in so much trouble. When we get home, I know you're watching. I'm so sorry. Um, But you know, when that when the baby pooped his pants, they didn't even care. They just like, oh, that's okay. We'll change him. It's just like I don't even care if you poop your pants. I just love you. You know, just like, and I'm like, and I, I go back and I remember what it was like to hold that baby, that in your hands. You're just like, I just love you. There's there's no reason you have completely messed up my life, and I love you so much. I I give my life for you. You're just you, just that that love that flows. That's the heart of God to you. That we are loved. That much. How do we respond? Three things, just quickly, because it's time to go. Three things, write them down. Be thankful, be obedient, and draw near. Being thankful is important because it puts us in the right mindset. Remember, we need to take every thought and make cap, or take it into captivity and make it obedient to Christ, obedient to the word. So be thankful because it sets our minds right. Because what happened with the children of Israel, they complained. They complained about everything. And by complaining about everything, they thought God didn't love them anymore. But when I'm thankful, I realize as we sang today, and I, like I said, I was just overwhelmed as we're singing the goodness of God because, like, God, you are so good. There are, this is a hard time in life. I get it. But you know what, God? You've been so faithful. You've been so good, so loving. You hold me in the palm of your hand. So be thankful. Don't complain. It puts you in the right mindset. Be obedient. Why? Because that's when the blessings chase you down. Be obedient. That's what he says in Deuteronomy 28. I'm going to bless you to a thousand generations. You just follow me. You just obey me. And I believe we'll see the goodness of God. Do you realize that your life that the church, the Christian, we're supposed to be a picture of God's goodness to this world. When we follow God and when we obey and God bless us, we we give the goodness of God from our lives. And it comes from obeying and following God. And then finally draw near. That's all God ever wanted. It's all the Father ever wanted. Just just come. Just just be near to me. One of the best promises in all the Bible is James 4 8. Draw near to God, and He will draw near. To you. It's a promise. Draw near to him. He'll draw near to you. Don't wait. Stop trusting in anything else or yourself. Stop believing the lies of the enemy that God doesn't love you or that he's mad at you. Put your faith, your hope, your love into the one that loved you first. And like the prodigal son, come home today. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me? Before we share a meal together, I want us to share a meal with Jesus. I'm going to ask you just to come to him and respond to his love. There are no hoops to jump through. There's just repentance. And repentance literally means turning around. That I'm going in one direction and I turn in another. That I believe God's mad at me and I turn and realize he loves me. That I'm doing my own thing and I turn around and I follow Him and do His thing. That's what it is. Jesus died on a cross for our sin. Our sin was washed away by the blood of Jesus. And what we do is we receive His precious gift of salvation. We believe in our hearts. We confess with our mouth. We come to Him. I know that The devil is lying to so many people that God's mad at you or God hates you. I am here telling you what God says in His Word. That we love Him because He first loved us. That when you're in Christ, you are loved and chosen and holy. Receive what God has for you this morning. We're going to sing the the goodness of God in just a moment, but before we do, I want us to just pray this prayer of commitment. Some people call it a a salvation prayer, but the reason I want us to pray it, and and you'll just repeat these words after me, is because whether this is your first time hearing about the goodness of God, or maybe you've kind of wandered from God and you need to come home like the prodigal son, or you've walked with God all the days of your life, no matter where you're at today, I'm just gonna ask you to, to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart this prayer to make that commitment to Jesus today. And then together we'll sing of his love and his goodness. But with your heart, repeat these words after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I want to invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Let me pray for you before we sing. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness, your love. You Even saying your word, it's going to chase us down. Thank you, God, for reminding us. We rebuke the enemy in every lie of hell. Every spirit that would tell us that we're not loved or that you're mad at us. Every bondage. In our mindset is broken in the name of Jesus. We walk in your love, God. We receive your love. You knock on the door of our heart, and we open that door and let you in today. And Lord, our amen today is the song of your goodness. Would you stand with me across the sanctuary, and let's worship the Lord one more time.